0: Oregon. I am Pleiadian Emissary of Light, Caroline Raw. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Spirit of the Dawn. The last six months have been an amazing journey for myself, my family, and my youngest, Scotty. Scotty returned home from college for winter break in December of 2017 with a diagnosis of stage 4 BS, classic Hodgkin lymphoma. Team Scotty was formed of his closest friend, friends, and family. He opted for chemo and a highly nutritious diet. I became his official caregiver with my partner Jason and I making sure all of his needs were met. The journey has not been fun at times, but Scotty has done an amazing job with his healing process and is now cancer-free. He'll be returning to college in the fall of 2018. When I received the book, dreams that can save your life, early warning signs of cancer and other diseases, I could not put it down. Authors Dr. Larry Burke and Kathleen O'Keefe Kennevis have woven together their own dream stories and the dream stories of several cancer survivors with an empowering message of self care, self adequacy, and validations for listening to one's inner voice. We learn how dreams can carry important messages that can lead to a proper diagnosis, treatment plans, and wellness. Dr. Larry Burke is the co-founder of Duke Integrative Medicine and currently on staff in the radiology department of Duke Hospital, where he is heading up a new study involving dreams and breast cancer He is also co-founder of the American Board of Scientific Medical Intuition and a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. He is the creator of the Breast Cancer Dreams Project. Many of the women who share their stories and dreams that can save your life participated in Dr. Larry Burke's study. Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis is a three-time breast cancer survivor, life guidance coach, inspirational speaker, and the best-selling author of Surviving Cancerland, Intuitive Aspects of Healing, where she shares her fascinating story of how her dreams were integral to her diagnosis, recovery, and survival of breast cancer. I am joyful to welcome Dr. Larry Burke and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, to Spirit of the Dawn. Larry and Kat, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you, Caroline.
1: Yeah, it's great to be on.
0: Wow, this is amazing. Uh, We have so much background that I want to cover. And Dr. Burr, can you tell us about the Breast Cancer Dreams Project and how the concept for it came about?
1: Yeah, two of my closest friends both had dreams warning them about breast cancer. Both went in for a mammogram, and both were told that the mammograms were normal. Uh, One of them insisted on an ultrasound because the dream was so compelling. It was actually a dream about being operated on by a woman surgeon, actually being on the operating room table, knowing exactly where the cancer was. So she insisted on an ultrasound, and the radiologist initially refused, and then uh, relented when she wouldn't leave the department. And uh, when he, she told him exactly where to put the ultrasound probe, I should say her, the radiologist was a woman. Uh, and when she put the probe where she said the dream indicated the cancer was, there it was. And it was quite a shock to the radiologist. The second friend had uh, also a, a negative mammogram, no lump that anyone could feel. But when the radiologist told her that uh, it was normal, she looked disappointed. <laughs> the radiologist was kind of perturbed by that and said, most people are very happy when they get that news. And she said, I still think I have breast cancer. And she was a physician. So when she said she, she had a, a dream, they pulled the mammogram back out, looked at it again and found uh, an area that was a little bit suspicious that was overlooked and turned out to have the cancer. So that, those are my first two friends that got me started down this path.
0: Wow, that's a uh, very interesting. Uh, that you you had friends, direct friends, who got you interested in it. Kat, how did your dreams uh, get you involved in your diagnosis and the treatment of your breast cancer?
2: Well, um, my dreams started when I like. Dr. Larry Burke was talking about, I had a negative healthy mammogram. I had gone in for my yearly checkup and that night began, I began a series of nightmares in which I had uh, my regular dream, just like your audience is watching the computer right now, my dream would freeze, just like if this computer froze and there was a window that would pop up on that frozen page or that frozen dream and I could see through into another realm. And then that window would turn into a door and through that door walked a Franciscan monk, just like St. Francis of Assisi with the, the hooded robe, brown robe and the sandals and the rope belt. And they walked up to me and they said, we have something to tell you. And they led me through this divine door, I call it, or the room between realms. And they took my hand and physically put it on my breast and said, do you feel that? And I said, yes. And they said, that's breast cancer. Go back to your doctor and tell him that you need a different set of tests. So, and I had these nightmares over a three-month period of time, and at the end of that three-month period of time, of the doctors giving me, you know, mammograms again that came back negative for breast cancer, and the blood test came back healthy. They couldn't feel anything physically. When the monk walked through my dream again, I started crying. And I said, I know why you're here, but my doctors won't listen to me. If I really do have breast cancer, do something to help me. So my monk reached into the sleeve of his robe and handed me a tiny little white feather. It was about this big. And he said, if you go back to your doctor tomorrow without an appointment, just show up on his doorstep and tell him you need exploratory surgery, you can use this feather to cut through his arguments as, as though this feather were a sword, and you're gonna get the test you need. And so, long story short, I actually got exploratory surgery, um, and it turned out I was in stage two aggressive breast cancer with it in one lymph node.
0: Wow, that's a fascinating story. And now I'd like to know how you two join together. Um, eventually, you're gonna create this amazing book. But how did you two meet? Mary, well, would you like to, uh, from your I, aunt, I, how did you meet? <laughs> yeah, I guess
1: after my, my first two stories that I heard from my friends, I had a third story from another friend who had uh, had a similar dream, went to her doctor, and was told by her doctor that what she was feeling and dreaming about was just normal breast tissue and so did not get a mammogram, and then she died. Uh, a couple years later, metastatic breast cancer. So that really spurred me on to do some more serious research about this. So I I then set up a uh, website page with dreamscloud.com. They were the social media site for, for dream sharing and then also posted notices on different social media sites like Christian, my friend Christian Northrop posted on her site, Lisa Rankin, the International Association for the Study of Dreams uh, to get the word out uh, to the community. And eventually uh, pe- people started trickling in with reports. And I at some point all in that process I, I discovered that Kat was was writing her book, Surviving Cancer Land. And I remember we were got connected through Dreams Cloud at one point, but also through another friend, uh, Kelly Sullivan Walden, who's a dream expert out in California. So, and then Kat can tell you her version of the story too. So,
2: right. So, once I was introduced to, um, Larry through Kelly, uh, I had forgotten all about the dreams cloud part, but what Larry and I did was we started, um, uh, trading blogs. We got onto each other's blog sites and then Dr uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel and I were trading blogs. So that introduced me to Dr. Bernie Siegel. And then I had Larry and Bernie on the show on my show together. And that's how Bernie wrote the forward in the children's chapter to the book. But, uh, Once Larry and I met, we started uh, uh, working together And presenting at the IASD, which is the International Association for the Study of Dreams, which we will be presenting at in June, June 16th, on a panel of dreamers about the book. And uh, so I learned about Larry's research and I said, so Larry, once I was one of part of his research, I said, what are you going to do with all this information? And he said, well, you know, I've got it in medical journals. And I said, so how about a book? And our book is the end result. That's beautiful.
0: There are so many fascinating stories in the book, very personal stories of of dreams, of wellness, of self-care, self-advocacy, and cutting through the medical system. How did these women step forward to share very personal stories? Larry, I'll
2: let you start.
1: Uh, Initially, I was just gathering data for the research project. And so at that point, they were mostly like numbers on, on, on my uh, d- data sheet, with and when I got to 18, I knew I had enough to publish the, uh, the study. And then once the study got completed, I decided to start a, a private Facebook group for the members of, of, of the team. And about half of them joined, joined the Facebook page, so then we got our own little virtual community going. And one of the dreamers, Suzanne DiGregorio, uh, started interviewing them to get more details about their stories. And then uh, eventually when we were putting the book together, uh, Kat and I asked Suzanne to help us you know, take the information from those interviews and turn them into chapters, which is what happened next. So the, there's a whole section of just the stories of the breast cancer dreamers um, to sort of uh, really provide some personal insights into into the scientific research.
0: I'd really like to get into the different kinds of dreams, but one of the things I want to talk about, since it's kind of at the beginning in a lot of ways, is why do doctors not listen when people come to them and say they had a dream? Why is that the norm instead of you did? Um, Obviously, there's a, a reason, but... I don't understand it. So what is the reason?
2: Well, I'm just going to say that uh, it's my dream to Mm -hmm. actually have, uh, after this book uh, is really embraced by the, the medical community, to have a patient walk into a doctor's office and say, doctor, I know something is really wrong. I know my tests all said I was really healthy and you told me to go home, but I know something's wrong because I had a dream. And have that doctor say, we'll do a second set of tests. Tell me your dream. But since Larry's actually uh, the doctor working with the doctors, I'm going to let him answer your your question. Well, well the, right. biggest,
1: the biggest irony to your question is the fact that the symbol of modern medicine is the snake around the, the rod of Asclepius. And uh, unfortunately... Few people who look at that symbol remember that it comes from the dream temples of, of Greece and that, that that was people would make a pilgrimage to the site in order to get guidance in terms of a health issue they were facing and often sleep overnight in the temple. And then it asked the, the priests to help them interpret the dream uh, the next day and, and come up with a prescription based on the dream or even sometimes the dreams were were personally healing in themselves. So, uh, but unfortunately, even though the indigenous people of the planet have been relying on dreams from the shamanic tradition for for millennia, and even Jung and Freud attempted to bring it back into medicine, the, the dream legacy has largely been forgotten. And and that's certainly one of the one of the goals of uh, of the book is to encourage people to keep a dream diary and to bring dreams back and restore to their rightful place in medicine and healing. So,
0: That's really important. And uh, now I would love to talk about different kinds of dreams. I think Kat, maybe that's your expertise is the different kinds of dreams that People can have because they're kind of categories, and um, mm-hmm. it's one of the clues is knowing what kind of a dream you had.
2: Yes, um, and, mm-hmm. so I, yeah. And I found it really interesting when we were talking uh, before we went online here how you said that you weren't really a, a real big dreamer, but once you read the book and had the book you know, with you, you started having dreams again, too. And we've had, Larry and I've had so many show hosts tell us the same thing. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. they were saying, you know, can we share our dreams with you now? I'm like, yes, send them to me. So yes, there are basic dream categories, but then there are also subcategories under those categories. And the one that I really love, I think, the most, believe it or not, is the daydream because your daydream can often open up the door to your night dreams, even if you think that you didn't have a dream at night or you forgot it or you weren't able to write it down and so you were afraid you were going to forget it. Some days when our mind wanders, goes on a walkabout around the room while we're not focused on our work, we can have snippets from our night dream and under the night dreams we have the lucid dream which is so vivid that you think that you're really there, but you know you're dreaming. Like sometimes you'll stop and go, gosh, this is so real. I think I've been here before. And then a little voice in your mind will say, well, you couldn't. You're just dreaming. And so you're aware that you're dreaming while you're dreaming, and that creates a lucid dream. And what's so important about that is you change the ending of your dream or you get involved in your dream and actually manipulate it. You can really make some incredible endings. Then we have the nightmare, which is what we were talking about. All of the people in this book basically had nightmares, but those nightmares saved their lives. So I always say that a nightmare can be not only a call to action, but it can be a gift in disguise because it tells you something's up and it's hard to forget a nightmare. Then you have recurring dreams, which is all the people in the book had recurring nightmares, It didn't stop because we didn't get the message the first time. So we keep getting the dream again and again and again. And we have healing dreams. And in those healing dreams, you can get information in your dream, which it sounds like your son may have actually gotten some of that information in his dreams as well, to help you heal while you're going through treatment. It's like your body is working with you in that capacity And your epic dream is a big dream in nature. It's epic. My my dream with the monks, that was an epic dream. You know, I will never forget that. The details are so clear. And then you've got precognitive dreams. And those are dreams that show you snippets of the future in your dream. And so I always say that forewarned, is forearmed, when you have a precognitive dream telling you that you could have an issue down the line, now you're able to gather data and be prepared for if and when it happens. And because you are prepared and you're aware of it, maybe it's not as bad. You're able to make some maneuvers to keep it from being as life-threatening, And under those, those precognitive dreams, you have symbolic, which means you're seeing symbolism that you might see again during the daydream, that precognitive dream may come into your waking world as uh, symbols like um, numbers or uh, maybe a cat, um, something that was in that dream to trigger it. Or it could be literal, like many of the people in the book that had precognitive dreams, they had people talk to them and say, this is what's going to happen. They heard a voice. You didn't have to figure out what the symbolism was. And then both of those under symbolic and literal are lucid precognitive dreams where you know you're dreaming, but you're having a dream for the future. And now you, you want to remember that dream. And then your waking dreams, which a lot of us had as well, is where you think you woke up, and you, you, you thought you were having a precognitive dream or something, and then you thought you woke up, and you think that you've gotten dressed, and you're getting ready to go and get on the bus to go to work, and suddenly the doors open, and Harry Potter is driving, and you go, what? <laughs> and you realize you didn't wake up, you're still in the dream, but it's so real. and You think it's, it's really there. So, um, those are basically your basic dream categories, but I wanted Larry to jump in because he explains it so well on, on how you can go back into your dreams. If you don't remember a dream or you can't understand it to, to get validation on that dream or to get more information.
1: Yeah. We call those clarifying dreams, which... When you get a puzzling dream image or story that you don't quite know what to make of, you can go back in the next night and request a clarifying dream. Uh, And that's, uh, or if you just have a question about something going on in your life and you want to ask uh, a question before you go to bed, that sets the intention that you're uh, to the dream world that you're open for business and, and you're ready to have a dream dialogue. And that can be very helpful. To, and that's just a skill that people get to cultivate. Uh, and some people refer to also it as re-entering a dream, where you'll 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 just basically sit there and put yourself back in the imagery experience of what how the dream ended, and then go back into it again. And one of my friends did that to clarify a puzzling dream she had about giving birth when she was postmenopausal. Didn't make any sense to her, and she thought maybe it's a metaphor for giving birth to a her next creative art project, but she was concerned that it could possibly be a sign of a physical problem. So the next night she asked for a clarifying dream. And she is a very experienced dreamer. So she got an immediate response, which was to be taken to a graveyard in Ireland with and shown a cemetery with a headstone surrounded by daisies and, and being told by a dream voice that if she didn't do something about the warning dream the night before, she'd be pushing up the daisies soon. So so she took pretty immediate action on that and went to the gynecologist, had an ultrasound. And even though she didn't have any symptoms, they did find uh, that there was a endometrial carcinoma in the uterus. Quite shocked to discover that. And then the subsequent surgery was removing the uterus as a vaginal hysterectomy through the vagina Symbolically, giving birth to the tumor, just like in the dream. So that was a great example of how a clarifying dream gave her the information she needed. So.
0: Wow! Um, if we are in a dream, and I guess it would be semi-lucid dream where we realize we're dreaming, um, can we ask I, a, a question right there? What is the meaning of this symbol I'm seeing, and get the answers right there in the in the dream itself?
1: I've only had a, a very few lucid dreams myself, so I'll defer to Cat on that one.
2: Yes, absolutely. You can, Caroline. You can ask, and I've done that. I've said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> it just, just like you're, you know, we're talking, um, and said, "What do you mean by that?" And they will clarify it right then. Sometimes they'll speak to us in a number of ways. They'll show you a symbol, like the daisies. And they'll say, you're going to be pushing up daisies, so you, know, you understand what that means. Or they'll, they'll talk to you directly and say, you have breast cancer, go back to your doctors. There's no symbolism there. However, in that lucid dream, they did hand me a feather. So they, were, they speak to us on many levels. They use visual, they use auditory in the dream world, so that we're sure to get the message. It's that important.
0: Well, uh, my daughter is an amazing dreamer, not like me, but she's an amazing dreamer, and uh, I homeschooled my kids, so they got to sleep late, and every morning when she woke up, she'd have me, she'd dictate her dreams to me, and they were fascinating. We kept a dream journal, and she still remembers those dreams that we kept in the journal. Let's talk about the importance of keeping a dream journal.
1: Yeah, that's a great story cuz cuz my daughter when she was 3 or 4 uh spontaneously on her own she started making up illustrated dream books uh with the pictures of the monsters she was encountering and the heroes and it was and years later she's now a, a creative writer so she was rehearsing that a long time ago but I'd love to see Dreams become the focus of breakfast table conversation, like they are in some indigenous indigenous tribes. We'd get up and say, "Who had a dream last night?" And sometimes families will discover that they're dreaming together in some way and, and having uh, mutually, uh, you know, uh, synergistic dreams, uh, uh, solving problems and things like that. That would be wonderful. So yeah, I mean, keeping a dream diary is. It, the first thing to do is set the intention that you want to do it. And then it's even more motivating if you know you're going to have people to share it with the next morning. So that, that'd be great. Right. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, since getting this book, we're all discussing our dreams in the morning at our house. It's mm-hmm. become very, I, I, it is one of the first things I ask, so do you have any dreams? And then it also helps people to reflect on their dreams to give them a place to say, yeah, I did. Wow. So it's kind of fun. Um, which really kind of brings up that a whole idea of dreaming for others, which is such a sticky area. Um, so let's talk about dreaming for others or even doing intuitive work for others. Um, it's sometimes a frustrating experience. Can we touch on
2: that?
1: Kat, do you want to tell the story from the book about that?
2: Sure. Um, We have a whole section in the book on dreaming with and for others. And we actually have some women who were in Dr. Larry Burke's dream uh, research project who dreamed for each other. It was mother-daughter teams, pretty amazing, where the daughter had the dream that the mother had breast cancer and the mother said, well... No, I don't think I had it. I think you had it. So the but the daughter went and had a mammogram. She was fine. Had a test. She said, "No, it's not me. I did dream for you." Took the mother and had the test done, and the mother had the breast cancer, which kind of begs the question that we've been asked on a number of shows: when you're having these precognitive or these uh, diagnostic dreams. More diagnostic than precognitive. When you're having a diagnostic dream, do you think perhaps your body is telling you that something's going on in your body? Because we're all connected. Our brain is active throughout dreaming, it knows everything that's going on because our brain is our body's computer. So, could our body be speaking to us through our dreams? To which the answer is yes. But then we switch to precognitive dreams. Our body can't tell us what's going on in our body if it hasn't happened yet, okay? So it's five years out. And, and it's hard to explain that when our body is telling us or our brain or our dreams are telling us what's going on in your body. How could we possibly know that? And so I think that we are connected to that oneness, that greater oneness that we all have that connection to. And we have quite a few dreams in the dream book where people dreamed for others. I even have my story in the book with Priscilla where she asked me to have a dream for her because her doctors had found a cyst or a mass on one of her ovaries and she said, they don't know if it's, it's cancerous or not. Can you have a dream for me? And so I went in and I did have a dream. And when I first got in there and I, I saw my monks, I called them. And what was amazing about this dream is it was a turning point for me. Up until now, the monks only showed up when the monks wanted to show up. But in this case, I called to the monks in the dream and they showed up. And I said, I'd like to know uh if this is cancerous or not and what she should do. And they said, why? Why she's gonna have a test tomorrow and she's gonna know then. Why would we tell you? You we don't do hoops and neither do you, which was basically saying, you know, we're not doing this for money or for a circus show. This is serious stuff. And I said, because I'm just starting out doing this and I really need the confidence to know that I, can't ju- I can not I only do it for myself, but I can do it to help others. And they thought for a second and they said, okay, her one ovary is cancerous. There's no cancer in the other ovary. The doctors can take both ovaries and uterus. They can take anything they want. It won't make any difference. However, the doctor's going to use the wrong sutures to close her up. They've been mislabeled. They won't dissolve. She's going to get a very bad infection. So when she does pop the fever and the the community, the medical community wants to know where the infection is, it's in the stitches, which are going to have to be replaced. So I told her all of this. And the next day when she went in for her surgery, they opened her up and found she had cancer in that one ovary. And they immediately wheeled her back in because they would closed her up and they took the other ovary because the, the one ovary had such large cancer. They said, well, it's everywhere. They took her other ovary and her uterus at that time and found there was no other cancer. But a few days later she popped a fever and they found out that the sutures that the doctor had used on all of his patients that day had been mislabeled oh. and she came down with an infection that was so bad, even though she kept telling him it's from the, the stitches, it's from the stitches that they had to put her in an intensive care because it affected her heart.
0: Wow. That is an amazing story. Um, I'd really like to talk about how dreams can have information about what treatment plans to do, because um, when we or a loved one becomes ill, there's a lot of options and there's a lot of ways. And um, I saw in the book that some people were leaning, you know, they didn't want to do chemo, but their dream was saying they needed chemo and things like that. Um, can we address that, Larry?
1: Yeah, yeah uh, that's one of the more puzzling things about the book is that uh, I assumed that since these were all intuitive, holistic dream type people that they would be dreaming holistic remedies, and it didn't always happen that way. But uh, one of the uh, my first friend who had the initial breast cancer dream uh, was is involved in integrative medicine and went to a lot of holistic oncologists seeking advice on whether she should get chemo radiation. And they all recommended, yes, get the chemo radiation. She started having dreams every night about raw vegetables. And and, in one of the dreams, a rabbi uh, told her that she should, you know, start eating some vegetables. And so she was still contemplating her options when she went to a retreat that that particular rabbi happened to be leading. And when he found out that she had breast cancer, uh, he looked at her, in a puzzling way and said, I think some wheatgrass would be good for you. So he fulfilled the prophecy in in the dream. So she did go to the Hippocrates Institute and go on a raw food diet, as well as taking some tamoxifen as well. Uh, But So that was one of the instances where they got guided to do a holistic treatment. But in other cases, they got guided to do high-tech, Treatments, and one of the most dramatic ones was the woman who was dying of stage four uterine cancer at a young age of 29, and was told that the chemotherapy would only have a five percent chance of being effective. And she was uh, gifted with a dream where a silver spaceship came down. I don't know if they were Pleiadian or not, but uh, they, I'm
0: sure they were. They, yes. you know, you're sure they were? Okay. okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, and, and they uh, got out of aliens came out of the spaceship and gave her uh, showed her a, a tube and they said this is interferon you, you, you need some and she'd never heard of interferon which was an experimental drug for uterine cancer way back it was like almost 20 years ago and but she went to her doctor and said i think i need some interferon he was so shocked that she had she knew the name of some experimental drug that, that he immediately got her some and, and wrote a prescription and that was one of the things that contributed to her going into a complete remission, which she's cured because it's 18 years later and she's cancer-free. So yeah, that's a great story of combining intuitive guidance with Western
0: medicine. So. That's beautiful. Now, um, my son had cancer. He's 20 years old. He's not a child. When a child is sick or it's a totally different thing and... Uh also listening to children, and that is something that we all need to learn to do. So can we get into the subject of when children are sick
2: and when children dream?
1: I'll let Kat take that one.
2: Yes, uh, there's a really interesting story in the book. And the reason I find children and children's dreams so very interesting is they have not yet learned not to believe in their dreams. You know, we're, we're told as adults, you know, oh, you're dreaming. Oh, that's a dream. You know, you're basically told to put your dreams away as you would your toys, and become an adult, and rely on your left brain, all the logic, all, all the facts and figures, you, you don't refer to dreams. But children are still dreaming, and they believe in their dreams, and they believe in that guidance. So in this one dream in the book under the children's chapter, There's a a doctor, Kathy Kemper, and she's like the modern day Dr. Spock. She's an incredible pediatrician. And uh, when she was doing her residency, she would take care of children who had, um, uh, who had, uh, different types of blood cancers and a lot of them had bone marrow transplants so these were children that had to stay in the hospital during treatment which is you know very hard on the child they they want to go home they don't feel good they want their mommy and yet they would have to stay in the hospital and have, be monitored. They'd have blood tests. They had to make sure that their blood levels had come back up before they could have their next chemotherapy, which was difficult for some of the small children because they would, their tests would show that their blood was not recovering enough to have the next treatment on time, which meant they had to stay in the hospital longer. And that meant they wouldn't get to go home. When they had planned, that's very discouraging. They become very depressed. And so this one little girl was having a terrible time with that her blood counts were not coming up. And she had just had a treatment and they had dropped so, so dangerously low. And Kathy Kemper walked into the little girl's hospital room early in the morning, like we're talking six o'clock in the morning doing rounds. And the little girl was already sitting up. She had her light on. She was all bright eyed. And Kathy said, well, you look like you're very excited this morning. What's going on? She goes, oh, I'm really happy because I had a dream last night and I know my blood cell counts have gone up, 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 and I'm going to be ready for my next test sooner than, than was planned. Kathy said, well, okay, um, tell me your dream. And this little girl, we're talking like a seven or eight-year-old little girl, goes, I had a dream in which there was a big thermometer and the mercury in the thermometer was going up, up, up. So I know my blood cell counts have gone up. Now, any other doctor who didn't realize that we know our own dream language would have said, oh, my goodness, a thermometer going up, the mercury going up. Infection, the child has an infection, which is a disaster. We have to get her on antibiotics right away. And, and you know, we've got to quarantine her. As it turns out, Kathy Kemper went, mm, maybe she knows what her dream language is saying, even if it wouldn't be my dream language. Kathy had a blood tester on, sent it off, and the little girl's blood cell count had gone up and she was ready for her next treatment sooner than they had planned, which meant she was going to get to go home on time. Yeah. And that's how children are different from adults because they haven't learned not to believe in themselves, their dreams, and their dream language.
0: Wow. That's an amazing story. Wow. Um, I really do encourage everyone. This is the cover of the book. It's Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. Um, before we go, I have so much I want to ask about where each of you see the future of your work, uh, current projects you're working on uh, surrounding dreams and healing, and if you could share with us what what are the projects that you're working on.
1: Yeah, right now at Duke, we're doing uh, a relatively simple uh, follow-up study to the, my initial study, which is just giving all the women who come in for a breast biopsy at Duke, uh, a survey of dreams, did they have a dream? Uh, anything about their breasts, anything about cancer? Do they keep a dream diary? You know, uh, do they remember their dreams? Have they ever had any dreams that came true? Those kind of questions. And to find out how many women are actually having these kind of dreams. And it looks like it's, I would say it's not common, but it's not rare. So about one out of 20 women are, are talking about their dreams. So a 5% uh, chance. And uh, I think as more people start to pay attention to their dreams and, and keep dream diaries, that number might might tend to go up. And and so that's one of the projects I'm doing. The other thing I do is I do a lot of emotional freedom techniques, which is the uh, tapping technique for all kinds of uh, physical and emotional issues. And I find that the dream sometimes... Uh, guide the tapping process and when I ask people what they want to tap on, I often ask them also if they had any dreams and any disturbing dreams that give us some guidance on what they should be tapping on and that that works really well
0: so. that 's fun. I love tapping. I do that every day that 's really wonderful
2: cat um, so what what are your projects that you 're working on? Well, Larry and I are actually collecting more dreams for a second book because when the publisher gave us the contract for the first book, which was a story in itself, this book was uh, sent out to the publishing houses. We had to sit, we had three chapters. That was it. I, we sent out a, a proposed book proposal. We got into a bidding war and we had to send the manuscript in five months after we signed the contract and it was published four months or five months later. So it was less than a year from beginning to end. And they saw this as a series. So we're actually collecting dreams now for the second book. So any of your audience who had health-related dreams that came true and can be validated with pathology reports, please either send them to Larry at his website, or you can send them to me in an email, Kan katkan, K-A-T-K-A-N, at Comcast. And Larry and I are getting ready to present at the IASD, which is the International Association for the Study of Dreams in Scottsdale, Arizona on june 16th through the 20th so if you're in that area and you'd like to come see us speak live and we're going to have a big book signing we we'd love to have you so i mean we have so many we we have so many pokers in the fire as it were but uh those are our biggest ones right now that's neat
1: yeah Yeah. i was going to mention that uh we can also go to our facebook page dreams that can save your life and and leave us a message there Mm -hmm. or my website is LetMagicHappen.com. And also, when you go to my website, you'll also be able to uh, watch my, my TEDx talk, which, interestingly enough, got censored um, by the powers that be. <laughs>
0: Those uh, are the best TEDx talks, the censored well, uh, ones. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm in company with Rupert Sheldrake and Graham Hancock, uh, and I've gotten censored. And it, they claim that it didn't uh, meet their scientific criteria, although it, it's no less scientific than my original MRI research. 30 years ago on MRI the knee when I was just starting out before before MRI was a proven technique. So I think we're at that same stage with dreams. People just need to know that when they go there, there will be a red banner over the images and you have to click on the little X in the upper right hand corner, to remove the red banner so that you can watch all the nice
0: pictures. So. Okay, that sounds great. We have had a delightful time today talking with Dr. Larry Burke and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, co-authors of Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. I invite you to visit LetMagicHappen.com to learn more about Dr. Burke's work and Cannabis.com to learn more about Kat's extensive work with dreams. I am hoping that each of you can share some closing words of wisdom with us today. Go ahead, Lair.
1: Yeah, I mean, the key, uh, there are really two questions to ask if you have a health-related dream. The first, when we've alluded to both of these, the first is, is it about a dream about my personal health or someone else's health? And then is it a dream about a physical problem or an emotional metaphor for something going on in my life? And you can ask for clarifying dreams to get more insight into which of those responses is the correct one. And then keep a dream diary. That's really the essential tool that you'll need going forward. And it's a skill that you can develop like any others.
0: So, That's beautiful. Thank you. And that? so
2: I, I would just add to that and say, uh, first of all, for your audience, if they go to my website, which is uh, the Queen of Dreams also, or Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, they get a free uh, video Dream 101 course download. That All they have to do is put the title of your show in there, and they can download that. But to answer your question, I think that if you have a dream that is telling you you have a health issue, stand in that power, go to your doctor, become an e-patient before you go, arm yourself with information from the internet, just as you did for your son, and uh, speak your truth. And don't take no for an answer. Don't be dismissed. Be that squeaky wheel until they listen to you. And they give you a second uh, set of tests or additional testing until you're satisfied that you have covered everything that you could possibly cover to see if that dream was really telling you that you had an illness because to be for... For you know, in when they give you a precognitive dream or a diagnostic dream like that, they're arming you. Use it. Sounds amazing. Thank you both so much
0: for writing this book and for being here with us today on Spirit of the Dawn. Thank, thank, thank you. you. That's
1: great, appreciate it.
0: Deep gratitude to Brian, Zach, and Synergy for the use of their song, Embrace the Change. I thank all of you for joining with us today and invite you to visit spiritofthedawn.com for more inspirational interviews. Sending love from my home to yours, I am Pleiadian Emissary of Life, Caroline Roth.